السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته إن الحمد لله إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا محمدًا عبده ورسوله يقول الله جل وعلا في كتابه الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم وما يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي سيرنا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم 
وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أعاذنا الله وإياكم منها أجمعين Dear brothers and sisters What was the last public place where the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam was seen before he passed away. The last public place he was seen before he was taken to Ar-Rafiq al-A'la was when he came outside of his house and went into the masjid. The believers, the community of the Sahaba last saw him as he was inside the house of Allah. And of the many unique things about the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, what we call the khasais, those unique things that Allah gave to him, of those many unique things, one of them is that this earth, this entire earth, has been made for him and for us a place of prayer and also a means of purification. That means that barring a few exceptions, a Muslim can pray virtually anywhere on the earth. And likewise, we are allowed, when the conditions are met, to make the tayammum, which is when a person is lacking water, unable to find water, not enough water, or too sick to use water, they can use the earth as a means of tahara, of purification, to ready themselves for prayer. These two things are unique to the Prophet ﷺ and this community. These two things were not allowed among the previous nations. If we go to Bani Israel, for example, if they had to prepare for their prayer, they had no option but to use water. Using the earth for tayammum was not even an option for them. Likewise, they couldn't just pray anywhere and everywhere. They had to offer their prayers in a very specific manner, in a very specific place, what they would call the synagogue or the temple. That was for them. As for us, the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah has made for me the earth as a masjid and a means of purification. And by masjid, he means a place of prayer, a place of sajda. Because in the Arabic language, masjid literally means a place for sujood, a place for prostration. So this is something that we should pay very close attention to because although we can pray virtually anywhere, the Prophet ﷺ made his number one priority the establishment of a masjid. Now the word masjid, as we noted, comes from the word sajda. It is ismu makan. It is literally the place where a person makes sajda. But when you come into the masjid, you enter the salat with the takbir and you're standing. And then you're bowing. And then you rise from that. And then you make sajda. 
So why is the masjid called a masjid named after sujood when we have other postures? When we're sitting, it is because sujood or prostration is the most fundamental human expression of servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us to honor these masajid, these sacred places. Allah Ta'ala says, فِي بُيُوتٍ أَذِنَ اللَّهُ أَن تُرْفَعَ وَيُذْكَرَ فِيهَا اسْمُهُ يُسَبِّحُ لَهُ فِيهَا بِالْغُدُوِ وَالْآصَالِ رِجَالِ Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala says, In houses which Allah has ordered to be raised, and in them His name is glorified in the mornings and in the evenings. What are these houses? What are these buyut? Allah does not say masajid, he says buyut. According to Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he says these houses are the masajid that are dedicated to the worship of Allah. He says indeed the masajid light up the earth for those in the heavens, just as the stars light up the heavens for those on earth. The angels see the masajid when they are high in the heavens, much like how we see the stars in a very dark night without the light pollution. You can see the stars lighting up the sky. <clears throat> the sky. These are the masajid. The masajid, the houses of Allah, are the most beloved physical places in the sight of Allah Ta'ala. The Prophet says in the hadith recorded by Imam Muslim, that the most beloved places to Allah on earth are the masajid. And the most hated places in the sight of Allah are the marketplaces, the aswaq. So as sacred places for ibadah, for worshipping Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has threatened those who prevent other people from attending the masajid to worship Allah Ta'ala, or those who attempt to destroy or damage the houses of Allah Ta'ala. In the Quran, in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنْ مَنَعَ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ أَنْ يُذْكَرَ فِيهَا اسْمُهُ وَسَعَى فِي خَرَابِهَا أُولَئِكَ مَا كَانَ لَهُمْ أَنْ يَدَخُلُوهَا إِلَّا خَائِفِينَ لَهُمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا خِزْيٌ وَلَهُمْ فِي الْآخِرَةِ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ Allah asks this rhetorical question and says, Who is more unjust than the one who bars others from entrance into the mosques of Allah, lest Allah's name be remembered therein? And who is worse than the one who strives for their ruin? They are the ones who should not enter them except in a state of fear. For such people is disgrace in this world and in the hereafter for them is a tremendous punishment. So the masajid are these virtuous houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But really what is a masjid? What is the role it's supposed to play in a Muslim's life? Many people have misunderstood the true role of the masjid and the role it should play in our lives. In some countries, 
If you go around the world, in some countries, the masjid is only a place for salat. There are countries where you can literally only go into the masjid for salat, and once you are done, they lock the doors. This is the case for several countries. They don't want anything else going on. They don't tolerate anything else outside of pray, prayer. You pray and then you leave. And then in other countries, you have masajid, where not even the prayers are performed in them. That is because those masajid have been turned into museums. So when we think about a masjid, we have to look at the roles it should play. And our model for that masjid is of course going to be the model of the masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Masajid have played a variety of roles across history, but when we look at the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, we see that the masjid was the physical and spiritual center of the entire community. It was the center of gravity for the entire community. It was the axis of the entire community. And it was far more than a place where a person simply enters, prays, and then leaves to attend to his other business. So we can look at a variety of roles illustrated in the life of Rasulullah The masjid in his time was a place where children would accompany their parents, where they would grow up in the shade of its walls. Abu Qatada relates in a hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam used to carry Umama, the daughter of Zainab, and when he would go into sajda, he would put her to the side, and when he stood up, he would pick her up again. We have a similar narration of him carrying the young Hussein radiallahu anhu in the salat. So the children had memories of the masjid. It wasn't a free-for-all as it sometimes happens. It wasn't a free-for-all where there were no rules and no limitations when it came to children in the masjid. But what it meant is that the house of Allah was a place for children to attend in order to form positive memories and experiences connected with their deen. We cannot overemphasize the importance of this. Just having a space where your children can have positive experiences and memories connected to the deen. Because children are human beings and they become their own people. And people have to make their own choices about how serious they're going to be about their deen. Some people go off the path for a while, but if they have positive memories of deen associated with the masjid, they come back. But if they have negative memories, or no memories at all, they don't come back if they were even here in the first place. Another role for the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ was, of course, ta'aleem education. He was sent as a teacher. I was sent as a teacher. And he was teaching in every single moment. However, in the masjid, the physical space of the masjid was a space for education. 
and that was the primary location for instruction. It was not just a place where he would teach. It was also a place where other Sahaba would teach as well. And from the time of the Prophet ﷺ until today, in our history, the masajid have been places of learning. And many of the world's very first universities were established inside of masajid, institutions of learning, whether it is Al-Azhar al-Sharif or Al-Masjid al-Ummawi in Damascus or Qairawan in Tunis or Al-Qarawiyyin in Fez, Morocco. These were all masajid that became centers of learning afterwards. They were first houses of Allah for Salat and then education. The Masjid of the Prophet ﷺ was also a place for organization. It was the center for organizing matters of public interest. The Masjid, the masjid is where he ﷺ would meet the ambassadors, the representatives from the various tribes and clans. The Masjid is where he would meet the wufud, or the delegations from the tribes that would come to formally embrace Islam. The masjid is where he would receive these people who would come to give the bay'ah, the pledge of loyalty to him, announcing their admission into this new community, in this new civilization. And the masjid was where he would host even rabbis and Christian priests in order to engage in da'wah. There are many ayat of the Qur'an that are addressing Ahlul Kitab and many of these verses were revealed in the context of da'wah going on in the house of Allah. When important issues came up affecting the entire community, the Prophet ﷺ used the masjid as that center to gather them together to consult with them about what is going on. So this means that the house of Allah, the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, was also the political center because there was no division between the religion and politics as such. It was all sacred. He would gather the Muslim army in the masjid. He would rally the believers. He would inspect their equipment and gear before marching out. And historically, in his time and afterwards, historically, the larger jawami', the larger congregational masajid in the various cities in the Muslim world were used as the place for organizing hajj trips. People would come there, they would bring their items, they would stay, and they would all leave together from a central location. The Masjid of the Prophet ﷺ was also used for settling disputes because we're human beings and we come into conflict with one another. So the Masjid was used to settle disputes between people. They would come with their disputes to the Prophet ﷺ in the Masjid and he would hear both sides and adjudicate. It was an economic center as well. It was also an economic center not for buying and selling, because we know that it is prohibited to buy and sell inside of the masjid. But that doesn't mean that the masjid had nothing to do with money at all. The masjid was 
the place where the Prophet ﷺ would collect the zakat and distribute the zakat and speak to the zakat collectors. It was the collection point as well as the distribution point. It was also a place where he would gather the people and raise funds for expeditions. Sa'atul al-Usra in the hour of need. It was in the masjid that he gathered the funds for that hour of need. And of course the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ was a place of celebration, a place of expressing joy and happiness. He would use the masjid as a part of the celebration of the Eid. Now it is from the Sunnah that when able, the Sunnah is to have the Eid Salat in an open air musalla, an open area outdoors. When that is not possible or feasible due to logistics or weather, we can pray in the masajid. That is a norm as well and allowed. But the Prophet ﷺ would use the masjid as the post Eid Salat celebration point. We have an example of this in the hadith recorded by Bukhari. It is mentioned that there were a group of Muslims from Ardu Habasha, from Abyssinia, and they were inside of the masjid and they were allowed to engage in their cultural dance that involved spears. And Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha, she relates seeing this and how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa lifted her up so she could see beyond the crowd to witness the spear play that was going on as a part of celebrating Eid in the masjid. Now Umar radiallahu anhu, he saw this and he kind of disapproved because of, he wasn't a, the very fe, it wasn't a very festive person like this. Yet the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to him and teaches us, he says, Da'ahum, leave them be. Leave them alone to do this. Da'ahum, li'a'lama ahlul kitabi anna fi dinina sa'a. So that the people of the book, the Christians and the Jews, can know that our deen has some latitude, time for play, time for relaxation, time for fun. And that was in the masjid. The masjid of the Prophet ﷺ was a place for socialization. This is where the Muslims would gather and meet each other. When you read the, the ahadith, whether the hadith are speaking about rulings of fasting or zakat or hajj or dream interpretation any manner of topics you find in the hadith and behind the scenes you see that they were sitting in the masjid just spending time that's it they were just hanging out just conversing amongst each other and something happened or something was said and now we know about it that's the subtext that's the background of those hadith. So we find that the companions would hang out in the masjid. Many of them would even be sleeping in the masjid with the proper etiquette, just socializing. So what this tells us is that they did not have this narrow conception of the masjid as a place where they only go inside, pray, and get out of there and leave. That was not how they understood the function of the masjid. They did not leave the masjid empty for the rest of the day after the prayers. 
had other things going on. So it was literally a hangout spot, but a place where things were safe. Things were in the halal. Things were good. It was in the masajid that the relationships would develop. And lastly, dear brothers and sisters, looking at all of these various roles that the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ filled, we see that it was also a place of sakina. You've had a hard day at work. You're stressed out about things going on in your life. You're feeling very constricted. And what do you do? Maybe you decide, I'm going to drive to the masjid. I'm going to make wudu. And I'm just going to come there any odd hour of the day. No one's even around. And I'm just going to pray a few rak'at and sit in dhikr of Allah in dua and just look for sakina. Just look for some serenity. The masjid was a place of serenity. And we have several hadith where the background to them is a companion comes to the masjid and he's just sitting down looking for peace of mind. He's coming there and maybe he's a little sad. And then a conversation starts. That's the background to those hadith. They just came looking for solace. So we see that the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ was the qutub. It was the axis of the community. It was the physical center that facilitated the establishment of deen, the establishment of salat, the payment and collection of zakat. It was the center for fulfilling the fasting in Ramadan and even for the hajj as we noted. So we have in all of these roles a beautiful uswa, a beautiful example and model to aspire to. However, if we're going to transform our masajid to follow this model, it requires that the people doing it are of a certain caliber. The believers who make the masajid emulate the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ in these roles, they have to be of a certain type, a certain quality. They have to be of a certain caliber, as we will see. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us proper understanding of the real purpose and function of the houses of Allah and make us of those who participate in the fullest expression of those roles. Ameen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. الحمد لله رب العالمين وافطر صلاتي وأتم التسليم على سيدنا محمد الصادق الأمين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين وبعد. Dear brothers and sisters, having spoken about the importance of the masjid as a center of gravity for the Muslim community. We have to ask ourselves, where are we broadly with regard to the masajid in North America? We have something called the U.S. Mosque Survey. And this survey was done in 2010, and then it was done again in 2020, so a 10-year gap. And when we look at the stats from 2020, this is what we find. We find that masajid in North America continued to grow. The survey counted in 2020 
2,769 masajid. And that is a 31% increase from 2010 when they did their first survey. We also find from this survey that masajid in North America are becoming more suburban because there are major declines in the number of masajid located in small towns or small cities or in downtown areas of cities. And it is said, it is reasoned that the reason for this decline is due to the dwindling population of Muslims in those small towns due to the, due to the drying up of jobs, as well as the young people from those Muslim families leaving those small towns to move to larger cities and looking for education and jobs and so on. As it concerns Yomul Jumu'ah, the Friday prayer, the survey finds that across Masajid in North America, the median average number of people attending Jumu'ah is 410 attendees. And that's in 2020. And compared to 2010, where it was 353 on average. So according to these stats, that would be a 16% increase. And we're now going into 2024. We don't know exactly how these numbers might change, but that's a steady increase. And almost three-fourths, 72% of Masajid in North America recorded a 10% or more increase in Jumu'ah. As far as youth are concerned, the study finds that almost one-fourth, 24%, of masjid participants are aged between 18 and 34. So this is basically Gen Z and young millennials. And this is, it seems like a small number, but it's actually a very respectable number when you consider that churches report an 11% rate of youth attendance between 18 and 34. So we're 20 at 24% and they are at 11%. However, this survey did find in 2020 that 54% of adult Muslims age 18 to 34 are those who come to the masjid. So of that age range of the masjid attendees, 54% are between 18 and 34. But if you eliminate the younger ages of 1 to 17 and crunch the numbers, you find that it actually turns out lower. So there's different ways these numbers are crunched. But what we see is that you have a lot of young people and you have a lot of people who are older, but that 18 to 34% is still the least represented in our communities. So that means there's Imara is constructing, it is building, it is populating, it is serving. It has all of these meanings. And owing to the sacredness of the masajid, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that it is not allowed for just anyone to have the honor of caring for the masajid. In Surah At-Tawbah, Allah ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا يَعْمُرُ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَأَقَامَ الصَّلَاةَ وَآتَ الزَّكَاةَ وَلَمْ يَخْشَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ he says, only they 
who believe in Allah on the last day and who establish the salat and pay the zakat and fear none but Allah, it is only they who have the honor of truly maintaining the masajid of Allah, the houses of Allah. This means it's a position of honor. Taking care of the masajid so they fulfill their functions is an honor. And those who are going to do this must have these qualities. It has to come from a place of iman, of true belief in Allah, seeking the pleasure of Allah. People who try to live their deen and establish their deen, who have a true relationship of commitment to seeing the houses of Allah Ta'ala flourish. They are the ones who engage in this imara. And that imara can take on small things and major things. Because the, mas- the masajid are called a waqf. They're called an endowment. Any masjid is a waqfun lillahi ta'ala. It's an endowment, a charitable endowment for the sake of Allah that must endure bi'idhnillah ila yawm al-qiyamah until the day of judgment. What that means for each and every one of us, dear brothers and sisters, is to, number one, understand the proper role of a masjid as demonstrated in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. We have to appreciate the blessings of having a sacred space that unlike so many masajid around the world that are limited, that are controlled by governments, that are locked up after prayers. No, we have a masjid that tries to embody as many of the roles of the masjid was in the time of Rasulullah We have to contribute. That means investing now in what preserves the community centered around the house of Allah. And that means that you have to take ownership. Taking ownership means understanding that no one else out there is going to do it for us. It has to be us. Taking ownership means participating in keeping the community alive and active and functioning for the well-being of ourselves and our community. As Muslims, dear brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of this. As Muslims, we have to get out of this consumerist mindset as we look at matters of deen. What do I mean by that? The consumerist mindset is, what can it do for me? And who do I complain to? Where can I write a bad review if things don't go the way I want them to go? That's the consumerist ideal. What is it there for doing for me? How do I benefit from it? Not what I can do to contribute, to make it a more beautiful place, to find fellowship, suhbah, benefit. So the, the, the attitude has to shift where a person is contributing. Likewise, a person has to make an intention. The intention to increase their presence in the masjid, to come more frequently for salat, to come more frequently for programs, for activities, for initiatives, even if it's just coming to sit down in silence, seeking that sakina, that tranquility. The Prophet ﷺ says that among those shaded by the throne of Allah on the day of judgment, when there is no shade other than him, is 
رَجُلٌ قَلْبُهُ مُعَلَّقٌ بِالْمَسَاجِدِ A person whose heart is attached to the masajid. And their heart is attached even if they're not there physically. Their heart is still attached. They still have a desire to attend and to see it thrive. May Allah make us of such people. So we have to understand, dear brothers and sisters, the masjid, the house of Allah, does not operate independent of the community it serves. It does not operate independent of the community it serves. Our masajid are not funded by governments. We're not under any wizaratul awqaf, any ministry of endowments. And that's good in that we have freedom. But it also means that it's our responsibility to make sure that they are maintained. The masjid requires active support. Not passive support, active support for it to thrive. And it is a community obligation to secure the masajid. No one else is going to pick up the slack. There's no government out there that's going to hand over funds to maintain our masajid. There's no body that's going to come out and organize the programs for us and make our spaces thrive. It has to be us in the trenches doing that hard work. And that is actually the model of Medina. That is the model of Medina of being involved directly. Without that, the masajid will not, not be maintained. And we, we have to grasp this, dear brothers and sisters, iman, faith, that rarely endures in isolation. Iman rarely grows in the absence of community. And community is not maintained in the absence of a physical space. And that is why the very first priority of the Prophet ﷺ upon arrival in Medina was establishing the masjid. Even with his exalted presence, his presence alone, even with his presence, he knew that the community needed a physical space in which to gather. And if that is the case with them around Rasulullah ﷺ, then what about us? May Allah make us of the people of Imaratul Masajid, the people who understand these roles and seek to enliven these roles in our Masajid. O oh Allah, make us of those people. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adab al-nar. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin, abdika wa rasulika al-nabiyya rumi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim tasliman kathira. بقدر عظمة ذاتك في كل وقت وحين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين وقوم إلى صلاتكم